Welcome to the Cook Who Can't Eat podcast, where we're making food, family, and life a little easier, one bite at a time. Hello, my friend. I'm so glad that you're here. We need to talk about something, but I'm a little worried that you're not going to be open to the topic of conversation. It will likely require you to fight your instinct, have a visceral reaction, and just go away or turn me off. But it's not what you think. And this isn't one of those, it's not what you think that you get if you catch your boyfriend cheating or a vape pen in your kid's backpack. This is a real honest, it's not what you think. Since I'm asking you to trust me, I'm going to trust you. So here we go. We need to talk about holiday cooking, but it's not what you think. Stick with me and I will prove it. I love holidays. I always have. When done right, they're an opportunity to focus on what really matters. I especially love the winter holidays. There's just something innately cozy about shorter days and twinkle lights being on longer, blankets everywhere, everyone just kind of spending time in a warm house while it's nice and chilly outside. It's also the time when crazy home cooks like me are excited to make everyone's favorite holiday and comfort foods. When you're little, the holidays seem so magical. When you're an adult, especially a parent, holidays are making magic, and that's exhausting. We all have an ideal or a fantasy of what we wish our holidays would look like or could look like. But the reality is more not enough hours in the day. Weekends packed full of family, work, and friend holiday obligations. Last-minute scrambles for kid holiday parties or frantic runs to the store for the one forgotten ingredient. Shipping delays. Remembering everyone else's holiday to-do list. Out-of-stock issues at the store. Attempting to make everyone's favorite foods in a kitchen that suddenly feels too small and not well-equipped. And generally just working ourselves into the ground, trying to make magic for everyone else. Now, I have always loved cooking for the holidays, but even before my body decided to implode, I realized that I didn't want to spend my entire holiday in the kitchen, especially since I don't let anybody else in here. I was missing hours of time spent with my loved ones because I was in the kitchen cooking a meal that took less than 30 minutes to eat and twice that much to clean up. Now that I have about one billionth of the energy that I used to, making all of that and cooking the way that I used to, just it's not possible. The last time I tried, I actually had to stop before I even finished the desserts. I sat down, fell asleep, and missed out on all of the activities that night and most of the next day. That sucked. I deserve to enjoy my holidays and to be able to make it through them. So do you. We all do. But unless we change what we've been doing, we're never going to get to that point. So I took a really hard look at my cooking process and what I usually make and when and how it all lays out. And I found a few ways that I could make my holiday cooking a whole lot easier. And bonus, it ended up making my everyday cooking easier for the whole holiday season. Talk about a win-win. 
my holiday cookies process, like anything else, has its pros and cons. So let's do good news first. The good news is that this process is repeatable and adjustable. With each holiday, I'm always adjusting it based on what holiday it is, what our needs are, and what's going on within our family. Bad news is this process is not going to solve all your holiday issues, but it will give you back a whole lot of time, energy, and money. I guess that was kind of a good news sandwich. Still with me? I told you, this is not what you think. Holiday cookies breaks down to four parts. Lists and dish, recipes and test, list and buy, and finally, cookies. Simple. Right now, you are probably feeling a little anxious and thinking that I am absolutely insane to be talking about this now because nobody has their holiday plans all set yet. That's okay. That's normal. You don't have to have all your plans set for this to work. I promise. So let's take a deep breath. In this episode, we're going to walk through part one together. That's it. Easy peasy. So let's start at the very beginning. Part one is made up of two small tasks. This is an easy step with no right or wrong answer, but it is going to be your foundation. So our first task is to make a list. You can do this in a notebook, a random paper, phone notes, a computer, the printable that I'm going to make available anywhere, as long as you can refer back to it as needed. Make sure that as you're listing things out, you're leaving space in between each one and you're noting whether you're going to be the host, an attendee, or a contributor. You probably don't have your holiday plans all figured out or finalized, and that's okay. But we do need to think through what this holiday season could potentially include. Think about what you did last year. What has changed and any commitments that you already know about. This list should include holidays, annual events, family obligations, anything that will change your family's food budget. We're starting in October, so we'll look at holidays like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve and Day, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's Eve and Day, Veterans Day. Next, think of annual things like birthdays, anniversaries, work or school parties. Finally, add events that could change your family's food budget, like going on vacation, having family in town, or your kids being out of school. Each person's list will and should look a little different, and it's also likely to change year after year. Mine does. If you're watching, you can actually see how I'm doing my list this year. The second task in part one is to add dishes or foods that you may want at each of your events. On my list, under Halloween, we're not having people over, so I'm going to add turkey, chili, and cornbread. For Thanksgiving, I'm including turkey stuffing, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, green bean casserole, pumpkin pie, standard things that we always have for our Thanksgiving meal. When you look at some of the more general topics or events, things like family or friends coming into town, I like to add any meals that are very easy for me to make in bulk, chicken pot pies or salmon. The goal is to get an overview that will help you set your food budget and plan ahead. That is it for part one. Easy, straightforward, and now it's out of your brain and can refer back to a little later. Congratulate yourself and take a break. 
Part two of holiday cookies is also made up of two tasks, recipes and testing. I'm going to walk you through each one on social and YouTube shorts rather than a podcast episode. So make sure you're following Well Blended Life on all of the social channels so you don't miss any of this information. There are four parts to holiday cookies. And since I'm already sharing all my cookies secrets with you, I figure I might as well share the other tips and ideas that have helped me make it through and survive the holiday season. Things like how to communicate your needs and boundaries, what to do with leftovers, not just from the meals, but also those weird kind of party leftovers, hosting tips, chronic illness, holiday survival, and even how to make the holiday cookies process make your daily cooking a lot easier through the whole holiday season. I know it probably seems like there's a lot of information and there kind of is, but we're going to do it together step by step, one bite at a time, because I want you to feel the freedom that comes from enjoying your holidays out of the kitchen. Thank you for being here, my friend. I am so glad that we're doing this together this year. Don't leave yet. That first amazing bonus is coming up next. To make the holidays easier, the first step is to brain dump. Think of all the events or activities where you may be hosting or attending and cooking food or bringing food is involved. And you also want to take note of any situations where your food budget may be impacted, like family coming in town or maybe you're going out of town. Now that you've got it all out of your brain, it's a lot easier to go back and start adding meals or dishes. I like to start with the annual events or activities, things that are basically just rinse and repeat. Most of us at holidays have the same thing year after year. That makes it a lot easier to decide what dishes to include. None of this is meant to be written in stone or finalized or permanent. You can absolutely make changes as you go. Most of us do. It's just to give you an idea of what cooking or food budget needs you may have during such a busy holiday season. You hear this all the time and it's a cliche for a reason. People are in your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. But what they don't talk about is why that is. Here's the truth. It's because people are lazy. And once you've been assigned a role in someone's life, it's very rare that that role is going to change. The kicker is that we don't get to pick that role and we don't necessarily even know what that role is. We all do this. And most of us don't even realize that that's what we're doing because it's as seamless as answering the question of how are you with good and you. Consider how you think about or even describe the different people in your life. Work friends, carpool parents, neighbors, your inner circle. Maybe you have a best single friend or a best mom friend. You get the idea. What can make friendships and even relationships so scary is that the role someone has in our life is not necessarily the same role that we have in theirs. What leaves us feeling so vulnerable is that there's always a chance that our assigned role could become obsolete or as we change, maybe our role doesn't change with us. And there is no bigger change than chronic illness or disability. 
not only are those huge changes, they confront people's biggest and most instinctual fear, death and human vulnerability. When new people come into our lives, we categorize and catalog them till we can assign them a role. There are a million things to consider, including someone's health. But that is the one area where there's the least amount of options and the least amount of flexibility. People are either healthy or they're not. That's it. The only other, I guess, option is if someone has a health issue that is very broadly understood and accepted, things like cancer or diabetes. But when the issue is something invisible, not well understood or known, they need to know when are you going to be all better. And if you can't answer that, you become some kind of anomaly that they can't categorize. Humans are hardwired to keep things in our life consistent. We purposely avoid change. That's how we keep ourselves safe. That's how we understand the world. And that definitely contributes to our innate kind of lazy nature. It's a lot of work to categorize someone and very few will work to discover and create a new role for you in their life. Fear also plays a huge part in this. Many people avoid elderly, chronically ill, and disabled individuals because they remind them of how vulnerable we really are and that death is closer than we want to admit. We like to think that we are invincible and death is something that is so far out in the distance we can't even think about it. That's why 67% of Americans have no will or trust or any kind of estate plan. People you care about, friends, even family, start to distance themselves. And eventually you aren't on the invite list anymore and you aren't in the group chats anymore. Chronic illness and disabilities are incredibly isolating and lonely already. So when people start to disappear from our lives, it hurts a lot. Most of the year, if we cross paths with people that have exited our lives or distanced themselves, we can get by with some very basic small talk. During the holidays, that doesn't always work. The easy thing to do is to turtle up at home and do our own thing, but that just adds to the loneliness and the isolation that you're already experiencing from having a chronic illness or a disability. If we can convince ourselves not to do that, our next instinct is to make ourselves, our battles and our needs as small and as invisible as we possibly can. We even put ourselves in harm's way or ignore what our body is telling us it needs to make other people more comfortable because we are so scared of being left out or kicked off that party invite list. This only brings pain, worsening symptoms, serious health risks, and honestly, a lot of resentment. It really sucks, but we have to remember that we don't understand what's happening to us, and it's happening to us, rather than leaving them questioning what to do or how to take us into consideration, and to give us the chance to enjoy these events without harming ourselves or putting ourselves in a medically risky situation, I like to proactively communicate my needs and boundaries for the upcoming season. Here's how I do it. 
first. I make a list of holiday activities and events and parties, all those things that usually fill up your calendar during the holiday season. Second, I set my boundaries and my needs. I really have to stop and think, okay, what can my body handle? I think about things like how late am I willing to stay out? How far will I travel? What are my mobility preferences and capabilities? Are there temperature concerns or inclement weather? You get the idea. How can I make any event easier and more enjoyable given my current capabilities? Next, I go back to my list of activities and events and I get real honest about what I will and will not attempt to attend. Be brutally honest with yourself and focus on what matters most. Finally, for the things that I do want to attend, the things that really matter to me, I reach out to the host or the attendees if I'm hosting and I share any accommodations I may need or any boundaries that should be communicated. For me, this can include not sitting at the table while everyone eats or stepping away quietly to rest for a few minutes, either somewhere in the home or even out in our car. What time I will probably be ducking out or what kind of contributions I am able to make to any party or potluck. And most of the time, I also make my health an off-limit topic of conversation. While the general message stays the same, there are some changes that have to be made depending on who you're reaching out to. Here are a few examples of messages that I've used. Feel free to use these as a guide or even just fill in the blanks to create your own messages. Remember, you deserve to enjoy your holidays too, even if that means setting boundaries and asking for the things that you need. Accessibility matters, so the audio for every episode is available on your favorite podcast platform and in video with audio and closed captions on our YouTube channel. While you're there, be sure to subscribe because we have some amazing episodes coming up. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, my friend.